Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to day one. Um, man, I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be um, part of the Gross Point communities and what it means for the journey and the path that we've been on over the past two years. Um, it's just been incredible. And so if you're here today, I'm honored that you would take part of your Sunday to hang with us. I would tell you that you're here on purpose. You're not here by accident. And, uh, and today's going to be special. So before we jump into the message, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for every ear that's going to hear today, for every heart. Lord, I ask that you would open them. Lord, help us to understand and see who you've called us to be as a church. Lord, help us to understand what you mean by uh, the first church, community church, Lord, what it is and uh, what, it, what it means to be a part of this great movement of God, Father God, in our city, in our communities, and in our neighborhoods. Lord, I ask you to um, help me today, help me to get out of the way, Lord, to uh, share what you have for people. Lord, I ask that you would help it to make an impact that would change their lives, and nobody would be the same, Lord, and that we would be able to move and change our neighborhoods and our communities and our cities together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so today, the word we're talking about is community, and we're going to talk about how it pertains to the church. Uh, I'll be in Acts chapter 2 if you brought your Bibles. Um, if you don't have a Bible in the future, just bring them with you. You need the Bible because uh, it's going to lead you to hear from God. And so I believe that if you... Um, don't bring your Bible. You're going to hear from me and I'm going to motivate you. I might encourage you and I might get you to Sunday night, but Monday morning you're going to wake up and life's going to hit you in the face. And so I really want you to be able to hear from God. God speaks to you in all kinds of ways, but one of the biggest ways he speaks to you is through the Bible. And so um, when you open up his word, that's God's living word. It, it actually speaks to you. There's going to be something that sticks out to you today that I don't say, and that's God speaking to you. So that's why we bring our Bibles and that's why you need to take notes. And so if you're not a note taker, I would say uh, it's super important to take notes because uh, you are in the house of God today. You are hearing from God today. And if God's going to speak to you, you should probably write it down. And so always bring a notebook and a Bible. And you're going to do that because uh, I want you to trust God and not me. And so how does community work inside the church? The first thing you need to know is there are three types of churches, leader-led churches, vision-led churches, and community-led churches. Uh, leader-led church is essentially a denominational church. Somebody got upset because somebody did something that somebody else didn't like and says, hey, we're going to go do our own thing. A lot of great churches are leader-led churches. There's nothing wrong with a leader-led church. Matter of fact, there's some of the greatest churches in our country. Uh, the second type of church is vision-led churches, and those are people, anybody right now with Vision 2020, those are vision-led churches. Those are high-capacity, high-caliber leaders who have a great vision that God's put on their heart to do something incredible in their neighborhood, community, or city. And so those are vision-led uh, churches. And then there are community churches. And as I look through this, there's a couple churches in, in California that are doing this pretty good. I, I, I believe, I really don't know what community church is, but I believe that's who we're called to be because that's who the church was in the beginning. And so um, the second thing you need to know is the uh, American church, capital C church, is down 12% in attendance this year versus last year. This crushed me. And if, if you follow anything, you realize that we're getting more attached to our cell phones and less attached to people. And so we're kind of losing relationship, which is why community church, I believe, is so important. Community church scares me because I can't be in control. We do this together. 
And so on those same numbers, these are Henry Barnapol stats. 59% of our country does not go to church anymore. Uh, and 72, between 72 and 80% of Detroit does not go to church. And uh, this is a Henry Barner group stats. Uh, you can find those online if you want. Seeing these stats led me to ask the question, what are we as pastors doing wrong? And um, how, how can we essentially get back to why the church first started? And so as I thought through this, um, this was a big part of me and Heather's story. And so we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, working at, at, at one of the greatest churches in the country, in my opinion, Church on the Move. And um, we were running one of our uh, locations and, and life was good and God was good and our church was healthy. Uh, but I just felt uh, this burning desire to, to, to do more. And so uh, I remember coming home and asking Heather, are we doing everything we can for the cause of Christ? Is this, is this it for us? And I'd had a friend at that time tell me that he uh, bought his dream house and um, his kids were going to go to school at this place. And he had kind of got, you know, at his early 40s, had just found that the rest of his life was planned out. And, and to me, that kind of sounded like hell on earth. It was just like mediocrity. It was just like, oh, man, you're just kind of packing it in. You're only 40 and you're kind of packing it in. And so I thought, man, is this the, am I doing everything I can? And the answer was no. And when I went home and, and asked Heather that question, um, she was on the same page as me. And so we ended up walking out of transition that took several months. And as we did, we tried to find out where we could be successful in, in going to where God called us to go. And in the beginning, that's what it was. It was aware. It was um, anywhere, but where it's going to be hard. And so where can we be successful was the question that we ask ourselves. And we ultimately found that um, every city that we looked at, we looked in the South because of Southern hospitality or friendships or relationships with other churches and there was just no peace in any of those places. And so um, as a little boy, I remember falling in love with Detroit. And for birthdays or Christmases, if you just got me anything for Detroit, man, it just really made me feel at home. It made me feel loved. And there's a deeper, longer story behind that. But um, I started looking at Detroit. And um, Heather came to me at the end of March. We'd been doing some, uh, just some spiritual discipline, some prayer and some fasting and really just kind of seeking God on on um, who he had called us to be with. And so we had gotten over the where because of our own ignorance and find out that that really life's not about what we do, it's who we're here for. And so um, she comes to me at the end of March. We had taken the whole month of March to kind of um, rally back around and rally together and really, really get get together spiritually. And she comes to me and says she knows where we're supposed to be and and we kind of go back and forth for a couple of days. And I didn't think that she wanted to hear what I had to say. And so I made her tell me. And if she was not 100% in, it, it wouldn't have been a go because uh, it wouldn't have been worth it. And so she was all in. And and um, she said, we're supposed to be in Detroit. And we cried and we thanked God. And, and we planned a trip to come and check it out. And as we came and checked it out, uh, we fell in love with the opportunity here, not knowing um, any of the past history or the culture here, but man, we just fell in love with the city and saw the opportunity to be here and went back home and walked out um, July through uh, November, essentially transitioning the church, making sure it was healthy and got to a place where we came back in November to find our house and, and God brought us to a place in Gross Point, connected us to a couple that connected us to a realtor who had our house for sale. And uh, we ended up buying a house right here in Gross Point. And for the past two years, I've um, 
banging my head against walls and doors trying to be in Detroit because in Tulsa, you can live in Tulsa, you can live uh, 15 minutes outside of Tulsa and 45 minutes outside of Tulsa, but it's still Tulsa. And so uh, coming here with that perspective um, didn't hurt me because every uh, every kind of detour was just a path for me to develop a little bit more and get to know people more and gain an understanding of of where we were. And so realizing uh, about 18 to 20 months in that, man, God put us in this community for a reason uh, was huge. And so we started uh, looking at how the first church started, why the first church started, and realized that God had put us in a really great spot and gave us a really good opportunity to do something really special if we would just get out of the way. And so that's why we come here to be a community church. And so then uh, the bottom line on all of these stats and numbers and how we got here is this. Um, I feel like we've stopped helping people, that we've lost our focus, that the Bible says to go into all the world and make disciples. And church is not so much about width. And you can kind of get into the rat race game of chasing numbers and being about, um, you know, who's doing what, and you get sidetracked and distracted on what's really important. It's really about the one person that's going to come in and hear the gospel for the first time, and their lives are going to be changed. And so what we want to be about is not so much how many people can we get here, but how deep can we help you to grow? And so the church is really not about width. It's about depth. It's spiritual depth. And so how much can we personally develop our spirituality. How much can you spiritually develop here to where you can grow in your faith? Because our job as pastors is to feed the sheep with the hope and the intention and the goal of the sheep eventually feeding themselves because we're all called, we're all chosen, and that'll be a, uh, a sermon a sermon title later on in the series. And so it's what's in the Bible that needs to be in your heart so you can live in real relationship. And that's kind of our kind of our goal is to lead people to live in real relationship. So if this church is going to help you, you need to know that um, I'm not the type of preacher that's going to yell at you. I'm not going to lecture you. You all have parents. You've all been to school. You've all heard those talks enough. And so my heart is to help you move forward in your spiritual life, to help you gain depth spiritually. We believe in the Bible. We believe biblical principles. We believe incorporating them into our daily life. So we believe that uh, this is how we should teach and live our lives. This is also how we teach our kids at our house. And so it's so very important. That said, I'm not a preacher. I am more of a teacher. That means I might put you to sleep from time to time, but it's not intentional. It's to help you grow. That's why I want your Bibles open. That's why I want your notebook out because I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to challenge you a little bit. That's only for you to get better. Uh, in that, I speak English, and so the scripture is jam-packed with wisdom. I believe there's more depth in every scripture than we can comprehend, and it's not that I won't jump around from uh, different languages and different versions. I'm going to do that, but I just want you to know the best thing we can do is get together and uh, speak English and understand English more than anything. I teach out of the Holman, and so uh, I'll have those Bibles for you uh, coming really, really soon. All that being said, let's talk community. And so we're going to jump into it and uh, more so on community, how we move forward. Uh, Acts chapter two, this is the day of Pentecost. One of the disciples, Peter, preaches a sermon at Pentecost. And in that sermon, he talks about the fellowship of the church. 
Peter tells us the first church was an authentic group of people who wanted to learn. We have to take that posture. Peter tells us the first church was an authentic group of people. An authentic group of people, not an Instagram group of people or a Facebook group of people or a Snapchat group of people, an authentic group of people. What you see is what you get. I really think that's why um, videos have started to trend so much better. If you pay attention to statistics on uh, social media, videos get, um, oh my gosh, like uh, six times as many clicks as a picture. And so people are just wanting to see real. People just want to see real. And so then when you think about that and you think about what the first church was like, oh, wow, that makes total sense, right? And so we want to take that posture. And so that's going to be a process. It happens one step at a time. We have to be faithful and consistent to follow through. And so Acts 2, 42 through 47, the Holman, verse 42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through, through the apostles. Now all believers were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed all the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate food with joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. And every day... Lord added to them those who are being saved. In verse 46, you see the word together, and that's kind of the kind of the staple of today's message. If you look at Acts 2.42, I'm going to reference a couple of different versions here, uh, just so you can kind of get, a, get the gist of it. The King James says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. The contemporary English version says, they spent their time learning from the apostles and they were like family to each other. And they also broke bread and prayed together. They were like family. The Holman you just read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And then the Living Bible, um, which is my daily study Bible that I use at home, they joined together with other believers in regular attendance at the apostles' teaching sessions and at communion services and at prayer meetings. The one thing I want you to see from Acts 2.42 is they were like family. They were like family. They were together. They were real. This is step one to authentic fellowship. And so then the point is to have, the point is to have fellowship. We must be together. You can't have fellowship in a one-on-one basis. It can't be a, uh, you at your table having fellowship with yourself. That's not really how it works. And so for fellowship to be real, there must be authenticity. We can see authenticity in first John one, seven and eight. This is in the Holman. In 1 John 1, 7 and 8, it says this, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Fellowship is what happens when we get honest about who we are and what's happening in our lives. Or instead of honesty and humility, we can be superficial. We can role play and have shallow conversations that as soon as we walk away from somebody, we say, man, I'm glad that was over. Or, man, that was such a waste of my time. 
you're having those type of conversations right now, you're wasting your time and you're wasting the other person's time. Authentic fellowship requires courage and humility. It means facing fears of rejection or even being hurt. And that's where we tend to put the wall up. That's where we tend to put the extra special post up on, uh, you know, whatever our, our favorite social media platform is. And so we're going to go back to Acts 2.44, and I've got a couple of versions we're going to reference here. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Acts 2.44. The Holman says, Now all believers were together and held all things in common. Man, that's powerful. Community. New, New Living Translation says, And all believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. The Living Bible says, And all believers met together constantly. It's good. Constantly and shared everything with each other. The second thing to having a great community is (laughs) they shared everything. They weren't just like family, but they shared everything. They held things in common. They were together. They were consistent. They met in one place. What you need to see in Acts 2.44, there's unity. Sharing is what we tell our kids. Sharing is caring. Kaz is our second born. He's one of the best carers. He's one of the best sharers. Uh, that I know he shares everything. He drops his agenda at the, at, the, at man, just a, in a split second, he can go from wanting one thing. And as soon as one of his uh, siblings wants something else, he immediately says, okay, let's just do that. He's one of the most sharing, just kind hearts, man. He's so awesome. Sharing is caring. You want to know how much someone loves you, see what they will share with you, right? And so as married couples, you know how much, you love someone is how much you're willing to share. Does your wife always save the last drink in the milk carton or the orange juice bottle for you? See, she's just, she's just loving you. She's just sharing, right? As men, we struggle with this. We have, we have a hard time. Heather would always say, well, let's just get one drink and we'll split it. Well, I don't want to split it. I want to have my own drink. This is my drink. And so um, <laughs> I have a hard time sharing. It's the same thing with splitting a plate. Obviously, I'm not the smallest guy in the world. And so uh, sharing a plate or sharing a drink is not really one of my favorite things to do. Um, Heather knows that. And so we don't have a problem with that. But if you want to know how much somebody loves you, see how much they're willing to share with you. Am I willing to give Heather the last bite on my plate? Absolutely. Was there a time in my life that I wasn't? <laughs> Absolutely. And so then let's go to Acts 2.47. This is where we see fruit, okay? And I'm going to reference uh, three different scriptures here. The Holman Christian, uh, the Holman, Holman Christian Standard Bible says this, Acts 2.47, Praising God and having favor with all people, and every day the Lord added to those who were being saved. Special. That's our goal. Spiritual depth. We want people to take a step, and we want people to grow spiritually. The contemporary English version of Acts 2.47 says, While praising God, Everyone liked them, and each day the Lord added to their community others who were being saved. The Lord added to their community others who were being saved. The Good News Translation, which is quickly becoming one of my favorites, says, Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people, and every day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. And so then you go to the Holman, and if you go back before the Holman to the, the versions that were in the 1700s and the 1600s, you'll see it gets a little bit more dry. And so added to those who were being saved, which is, that's really good. When you get to the contemporary, you see, whoa, the Lord added to their community. And so then community just means we have to get on the same page. We have to be together. The Lord added to their community. 
And then obviously added to the group, group community. And so you see fruit here. God adds to their number, but he adds to them because of Acts 2.44. They, they shared everything. And Acts 2.42, they um, were like family, right? Acts 2.42, like family. Acts 2.44, they shared everything. Acts 2.47, God adds fruit because they did those things. So then why did God add to them? Authentic fellowship. And so what we see in a paraphrase of Acts 2.42 through 47 is this. You have authentic fellowship. You have commitment to each other. You have unity. You have real community. It's real people wanting to be around real people. And when you have real people around real people, it's contagious. People can get in on that because it's like, oh, okay. It's exhausting to walk around and be short or shallow or um, superficial. It's exhausting. Heather and I, the, the one thing that you, uh, that I hope that you hear and, and see and get to know through me and Heather is this, we're not here to build our church. We're here to build the church. Um, we can lead well and we can cast a ton of vision, but the best church is just like the first church. It's built open-handed. It's built through authentic community. It's built through authentic fellowship. It's built through real relationships. And so that's what the first century church was. That's why our mission statement is to lead people to live in a real relationship with God and each other. We've got to get people to where they can see God for who he is, not who they've been told he was or who they walked away from. And so why do we want to do that? We want to do that because God made it really simple for us. This is an anchor scripture for our church. Uh, We will say this probably (laughs) nearly every service because it's so very important because God made it so simple for us. This is found in Matthew 22, 37 through 43. And this is why we want to build a community church, just like the first church. It's what redefined church means. Acts 22, 37 through 43 says this. He said to them, no, he said to him, love the Lord your God. By the way, the context of this is uh, a lawyer was trying to trick Jesus into saying something. He says, hey, tell me, uh, you know, what, what should I do? What should I obey? And the lawyer's just trying to get Jesus to trip up on his words. And, and Jesus just responds to this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Verse 40 is huge. It's huge. We look right over this and we go right to the other eight commandments. But verse 40 says this, all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Uh, I think the Living Bible translates this and says, obey these two and you'll obey all the others. Obey these two and you'll obey all the others. So then just love the Lord your God with everything you have and love people like you love you. Give to people like you give to you. Pour into people like you pour into you. Care for people like you care for yourself. How are we going to do that? It's a process. But (laughs) me and Heather are committing the rest of our lives to doing this. We're talking true community church. We're the motor city. In my opinion, this is the greatest city in the country. This city did so much for our world. It put the world on wheels. You guys know more about this city than I do. Motown music, from Motown to manufacturing, this city single-handedly built our country, in my opinion. It's one of the greatest cities in the country. And because we're the Motor City, I just want you to kind of 
take a second and view our church like a car. View our church like a car. It's shiny. It's beautiful. It just came out of the uh, the Ford Piquette plant. Okay, hot off the line. It's it's if Henry Ford was in charge, it would still be black and only black because that's the best color that a car should be, right? And so. When you look at that car, what you need to see is it can look really good and, and we can put on a really good front and we can make it look really good. And there are a lot of people who are second guessing our church right now because, um, because of our name, because of who we are, how we came in or where we come from. And I just want to tell you this, that how your car looks doesn't matter. You can have the best looking car in the world. If you have no engine in that car, it's not going to run. It's not going to run. And what you need to understand is the people are the engine. In the church, the church can only go where the people take it. A car with no motor is not worth very much. You can find those cars for $100 all day long, right? Nobody cares how good it looks if it doesn't go very fast or if it doesn't go at all. And so how do we fix our motor to where it hits on all cylinders? How do we get to a place where we are reaching people, where we are going into all the world, making disciples, and we are baptizing people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? How do we get to where we can hit on all eight cylinders again. If you drive a four-cylinder, God bless you. How do we hit on all four cylinders, okay? The main thing is we're rallying around the fact that if the church is a car, the people are the motor. And so we have to be together. There must be unity. We have to create a community where culture is our language, where there's a unity around our language so much that we're speaking the same language so much so that it builds a culture of community. And so a lot of the times what you need to see is um, there are great churches. There are great churches all across our country. And we're going to be one of those churches. We are one of those churches. In saying that, even as a baby church, what you understand is everybody kind of came in here today and they understand um, ministry or what the church should be in their own terms. We all have our own perception. We all see things how we need to see them. For example, uh, me and Heather sold... 70% of everything we owned and we moved to Michigan. It's a thousand miles. It's a thousand, uh, thousand two miles from the front door of the house we sold to the front door of our current house. A thousand two miles. And we thought that we sold everything that we owned. We thought that we were giving up everything. Relationships. That, that was going to hurt the worst. And realizing when we got here, we really didn't give up anything. Everything we gave up was was nothing. It was all material. There was nothing in it. And we quickly got here and we realized, wait a second, man, nothing here is normal. Nothing here is normal. And so that doesn't mean that it's bad. And it took me a couple months to realize that, that it wasn't bad. It just wasn't my normal. And so I quickly realized that, man, our lives are all based on personal preference. It's all, it's all what we want. And we kind of surround ourselves with the things that we like and we create these nice little bubbles around ourselves where everything is just nice. And my bubble got busted. Our bubble got busted and we came here and we didn't know what the heck normal was. And so then we then thought, okay, well, wait a second. What is normal? We don't have a path anymore. There's nothing here that was in our community in Oklahoma as far as even restaurants or uh, where to grocery shop, like all of everything that we were used to is gone. And so we just have to find a new way. And so we just have to find a new normal. That's what we're talking about today inside of the church, inside of building community is what is our new 
normal? What is community? What's going to be our language? And so a lot of the times the church is filled with people fighting for their own agenda, right? And so we all kind of have what we understand. And so more times than not, what we need to understand is what kills our thing as the church is your thing. Well, I don't believe we should be doing that. Well, I don't believe we should be doing that. And really, it doesn't matter. Are we all in, on, and for the mission of the church? And what happens when, when we're kind of walking in from, from uh, weekend to weekend thinking, uh, man, my thing matters. If we don't do my thing, I'm leaving. Uh, this leads to a fill-in-the-blank mentality where we decide, where, are we, <clears throat> sorry, where we decide we are going to be a church, but we fight for our own beliefs instead of the mission of the church. And what we have to do is realize that our thing, that, that my thing kills our thing. That's what's really cool about being a community church. It doesn't get to be my thing. There are, there are decisions I get to make as the pastor of Redefined Church, but there are some things that Dusty Otis would never do. And the only reason we're making these decisions is because this is what a community church, this is what the pastor of a great community church would do. And so then that's how we answer the question. It is, um, is it, am I going to set aside my own beliefs and believe in the beliefs? Am I going to believe in the mission of the church? And so, um, what is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to lead people to live in a real relationship with God and with others. It's Matthew 22, 37 through 43, through 43, because God made it very simple. And so let's go back to what's the fill in the blank mentality. What do you mean, Dusty? What do you mean my thing kills our thing? And so whatever idea that you have that accomplishes that mission is what a fill-in-the-blank mentality is. And so, so for some people, it would be homeless ministry. For others, it would be uh, suicide help. For others, it would be troubled teens. For others, it would be bicycle ministry. Uh, for others, it would be the soup kitchen. Whatever you interpret leading people to live in real relationship with God is, that is your fill-in-the-blank. And what happens is the cause becomes, everybody's cause is different. So then our cause is different. And so then your cause is great, but then we all have different causes. And our cause is Christ. And our goal is Matthew 22, 37 through 43, to lead people to live in a real relationship with God and each other. So then what do you mean? This is what I mean. Vision isn't Vision isn't what you say you do. It's how you accomplish what you've said. I stole that from one of my best friends in Charlotte, North Carolina. Vision, again, this works in everything. Vision isn't what you say you do. It's how you accomplish what you've said. That's why we have a discipleship strategy. And so then how do we accomplish community church? How do we accomplish leading people to live in real relationship with God and each other? We live out what it means to be a community church. That is authentic fellowship. Sharing is caring, right? Sharing with each other and being real, being real. And if we're, if we're that way, we'll build community and God will add to our numbers. Acts 2.42 proves and promises that authentic fellowship leads to friendships, which build relationships, which create community. And when all of that is centered in and around a relationship with God, the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm going to read that one more time and I will close. Acts 2.42 proves and promises that authentic fellowship leads to friendships, 
which build great relationships, which create incredible community. And when all of that is centered around our relationship with God, a consistent relationship with God, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What you need to understand is community is what we're rallying around. It's why we're here. It's what's going to make the difference. It's what's going to make our church special. It's what's going to be the next great movement of the church here. I'm honored that you're here. You were here on purpose today. And if you don't have a church home, I would love for you to come back next week. If you have a church home and you just came to visit, I want you to go back to your church until you feel called elsewhere and get plugged in. Go get plugged in at your church. Make a difference. Be there, support, and uh, be all in. Be there to love people, man. It's about that. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you'll do these two things, it says everything else will take care of itself. Everything else will take care of yourself. So then today, if uh, you don't have a church home, I would just ask you to come back next week. We're going to continue our preview services and talking about what it means to be a community church. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this word today. Thank you for the people who've heard. Lord, for the eyes that have seen. Lord, I ask that you would not take anybody out here differently. I thank you for um, the revelation that we've had today to be a community church, Lord, for what you meant for us to be from Acts 2.42 through 47 and Matthew 22. Father, I ask you to help us to use this every single day in our lives. Lord, help us to put it into action, Lord. Let us be a church of action. Let us not just take this today and sit on it and sit on our thumbs and wait for a good time for it to happen, Lord. But let us make a difference. Father, help us to go out this week and be an example of who you are because you love us so much. We thank you for all that you are. Bless this time. Bless this day. Bless us as we go out this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.